Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to a Deadline Day special of Ask OTC, the show where we answer all of your questions on European football. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. Of course, of course, of course, we should start off talking about what happened post the uh, January transfer deadline day. But could we start with what didn't happen? When we're talking about the French League, Andy, um, one or two signings that fell through. Uh, should we start maybe with Ben Rama, Saeed Ben Rama? I think we should start with uh, Saeed Ben Rama because... Uh... Steam is still coming out of Lyonnais' ears about that one. Um, they, they thought they had it lined up, and I, I, I guess, like, just just to clarify, uh, Leon and West Ham and the player signed all the physical bits that they needed to sign, and I guess Ben Rama now goes into that. Um, I think it would be an interesting uh, Instagram or Twitter account of players who didn't sign for a club but are pictured wearing their shirts. So you think back to when Nabil Fekir signed for Liverpool but it didn't actually happen when um, you know he's wearing the shirt with his name and number on the back, did the in-house interview for Club TV, all of that stuff. Ben Rama did all of that as, as, as well, actually. And then um, Lyon, who were quite furious about it, said um, West Ham didn't... Um, make the tiniest incursion into the TMS, the transfer matching system. So to avoid all the previous stuff with fax machines, which obviously scuppered David De Gea all those years ago going to Real Madrid, um, now they have the, the, the transfer matching system where the clubs put in their um, uh, details into um, a database and you know it's, it's, it's all logged in there. Without that, you can't get the international transfer certificate and West Ham didn't do that. Now, David, I don't know if it's just a West Ham thing because Betis are complaining about the same thing with Pablo Fornells. They've taken a slightly more conciliatory approach because whereas whereas Leon have threatened West Ham with action because it didn't go through, 
Betis are kind of being a bit more slowly, slowly about it, hoping it can be salvaged? Yeah, um, Ramon Alcacon, uh, who's Betis' CEO, he spoke um, about this and, and he was quite calm about this, which says to me that I th- he, he believes the lawyers will, we know, will push this through. Um, so he's saying basically West Ham had computer issues um, and, and basically nothing came across and this affected all the deals that uh, West Ham did, hence Ben, ben Rama also having issues. Um, but Betis seem confident this one's going to go through. They actually inscribed him in uh, La Liga's system last night. So if you went on La Liga's website, Fornals was actually in there as a real Betis player. So that's how far along it um, it, it went. So they're pretty calm about it. They, they think they'll get their man in Pablo Fornals. Okay, that's something of a preamble, or as Geoffrey Chaucer would say in the days when the English court spoke French, it is the prologue. Um, let's get back to the emails because Joe on email, it is called Ask OTC after all. Joe says, Marseille, Lyon and even Rennes have spent a fair bit of money this January, unlike most of Europe. Which of their new signings should we look out for? Well, I, I guess when we're talking about sagas, um, I think straight away we go for Nemanja Matic, don't we? Now, uh, to reiterate what happened there, and it's, it seems that Leon can't do anything in the transfer market without drama. Of course, they were limited to what they could do last summer um, because they had restrictions placed on them by the DNCG, the French Financial uh, Control Board. Um, and that they wanted to get Nemanja Matic early on. Now, Nemanja Matic, just to briefly reiterate, uh, signed for... Ren from Lyon, uh, from Roma last summer, uh, having had a pretty good season at Roma, and uh, then um, said just before Christmas, uh, there's no international school for my kids, um, which I was led to believe there was, uh, so we're going to have to leave. Uh, Ren were say, said to back to him, we're not too happy about that, so he, he took that as a sign to uh, empty his locker, um, do a flip from the training ground, and just go back to London. So there was a, a bit of standoffishness. In the end, it was clearly going to have to go through because Ren didn't want to be lumbered with um, someone who's getting pretty well paid who just didn't want to be there. So Ren, who were always quite active in the, the, the transfer market, went and replaced him at actually quite a lot of expense. They bought um, Azor Matusiwa for 15 million euros from, from Rance uh, initially. They, they might have to pay a bit more with, with, with Aaron. He's, he's a really good midfield player, but they sort of accelerated quite an expensive plan that they didn't really bank on, on doing in January. Now, I think Matic will end up being really influential for, for, for Lyon as well. So these, these are two quite um, big transfers. Um, because they're just lacking that bit of clarity in midfield, uh, Lyon, and that, and that bit of strength as well, which is part of the reason they've got um, Oral Mangala across from Manchester, um, from Nottingham Forest, uh, really quite great expense as, as, as well. Um, so when we think about transfers not existing in a bubble, this is, this is quite a, a, a good example of that. Uh, Lyon have obviously had a very poor start to the season and needed to... Um, do quite major surgery on their squad so so they're, they're doing that I think when you look at Marseille they've been weaker than they expected to be as well significantly weaker than last season I think they miss Alexis Sanchez a lot not just because of the goals but because of um, 
the way he sort of led the team the last season as well. A, a big player who was ready for the costume of a big player, really, really to, ready to take on that mantle, um, which none of the players who've replaced him really, really are able to. Um, so th- they're always looking for that big centre forward. They went out and spent big last winter uh, with Vitinha and that didn't work at all. They've um, sent him away to, to Genoa, having spent a club record 30 million euros on him last winter. I'm really interested to see uh, Faris Mumbanya, who's come across from uh, Bodo Glimt and I've been really impressed with in um, the occasions I have seen him with Bodo Glimt. Um, a real sort of physical line leader which I, I think will really suit Marseille and some of the other players they've got. I, th- I think Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's improved throughout the season, could really really benefit from, from him as well. But f- French clubs have been way busier than, I guess, anyone would have expected them to. You know, they always say, like, January transfer windows are the last refuge of, of, of scoundrels, really. You know, if you plan poorly, you're going to be busy in January. And I, I think it's a good example with both... Lyon and Marseille is, is it underlines their their poor planning and with Rennes it underlines that I guess you, you never quite know what's around the corner and you know you have to have a contingency plan I think it was probably quite a disappointment for Marseille too that they didn't get Gio Reyna in from Dortmund mm. um, obviously he had he had two agreements um, one with Marseille one with Forrest he obviously decided to pick Forrest. I don't know whether it was the you know influence. On, uh, you know, I know they got Turner there, um, for instance. So I think that was probably a bit of a disappointment for for Marseille um, uh, from an attacking sense. Um, but out of the deals that did go through, and this was one a couple of weeks ago, we actually spoke about this on a on a full episode of OTC. But I think Leon have done really well to get the the two lads in from Belgium in Malik Fofana and Gift Orban, two players talked about. Um, for quite some time two players linked with big moves to the Premier League um, as well they got them both for under 30 million um, they'll be hoping they can obviously propel Leon up the table this season and then with a full season next year Leon obviously always looking at that uh, the, the profit margins and, and whether they can get big fees for those if they if they do um, kick on so you can you can see the vision there potentially yeah, Sophie asks OTC by email, Girona haven't had anyone pinch from their squad. Could that be the difference between them winning La Liga and not winning La Liga? Um, yeah, it's good. It probably serves them well that uh, Barcelona are in so much uh, financial strife because if anyone was going to pick players from them, it's probably Barcelona. So Girona probably en- en- enjoyed that, I think, from a distance. Um, they keep a very good squad together. Um, a small squad too, so I don't think they could have coped with any losses. But um, unfortunately for them, I mean, look, look, they can focus on the rest of the season. They've still got a La Liga title to win. But um, in the summer, I imagine the the vultures vultures will very much uh, be circling Girona because they've got a lot of talented players who have who have kicked on under there. They might even end up losing their manager as well, so we could see a lot of changes. But for now, they can absolutely focus on winning that um, La Liga title, which is absolutely possible for them. That's it. I mean, I think if they finish top four, that would be a beyond belief season still. I mean, yeah. I mean it's, it's remarkable. Uh, best story since Atleti uh, winning La Liga and an even bigger story, you know. Uh, we, we're talking Leicester City winning the Premier League parallels here. Um, I might even go as, as far as to say that uh, it will be a, 
even bigger story given the the money um you know and the the wage bills at Barcelona and Real Madrid and 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 what have you so this would be an incredible story so yeah it would be really nice uh for them to do it i think i think the barcelona jealousy angle is quite quite an interesting one actually because we we talked in the in, in the main otc yesterday about how that was one of the big moments of Barcelona's season when um, Girona go there, stick five past them, play with brilliant style. Um, you know, they're, they're near neighbours with a, a far more attractive way of playing, a far more successful way of playing on, on, on smaller resource and really co- coached well by Michel this season. Um, but in that moment, I think you're right, like David, when you say oh, it was really predictable Barcelona would go after a couple of their players that they've managed to hold on to Alex Garcia, which is obviously partly due to the fact that there was some dispute over what his release clause actually was. Girona was saying it was 20 million, which Barcelona couldn't afford. Barcelona were led to believe it was 12 million, which maybe they could have afforded if they've found a bit of shrapnel behind the back of the sofa. And I, I just think that Alex Garcia, there are so many players who you think have been influential on their season, like Dovbic, um, the two fullbacks, uh, Miguel, Jan Cotu. But... Alex Garcia like pulls it all together. You know, he's 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 so uh, sort of such a low key director of that that team on the pitch. And when you hear that Barcelona are interested in him, like, and they come out and say they're interested in him, like six days into the transfer window, five six days into the transfer window, you're thinking it's going to be a long month. But because Barcelona are quite a mess at the moment, because of the Javi thing, which I, I think has, has definitely had an effect on, on the direction and what they're doing. Obviously, they're trying to find as much stability as possible. That has enabled uh, Girona to hold on to him for the moment. Yeah, I mean, it made me laugh about this. Um, Barcelona always think that release clauses are lower than they actually are. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is what they love to do. It also made me laugh, by the way, with uh, they had links to Alex Garcia, and it said in the summer that um, they might try and throw some players in as part exchange. And one of those was Oriol Romeo. Now, of course, they took Oriol Romeo from Girona last time. I mean, just just remarkable. Oh, you can have him back, but can we have can we have the new shiny toy, please? We don't we don't like this toy anymore. So it's it's very much that one from Barcelona. That's where we are with Barca right now. Are there any other Spanish moves uh, that are worth mentioning? Oh yes, there's there's one I absolutely love and mixed emotions from me. Chimi Avila, who's um, absolute carnage, chaos wrapped up in this uh, scintillating Argentine package. Absolutely love him. Think, think Darwin Nunez um, times 100, if, if that's even possible, um, the way he plays. Um, he was linked with Atafe. Now, my eyes went all spoony because I thought we we're going to get Borderlass and Chimi Avila together, <laughs> which would p- potentially... It should just not be allowed. Um, unfortunately, we, we didn't get that. Hatafe didn't have the money. Um, but he's got a Betis, and I love Betis. So Chimi Avila at Betis is, is really, really cool as well. And, and that one's going to be interesting to see how it goes down and, and how he associates, associates with his score. So they've, they've got a bit of guile and a bit of craft there. Um, and now they're just uh, they're, they're throwing some fireworks in there with Chimi Avila. So, so watch that one. And hopefully this Pablo Fonal's deal gets ratified as well. Because again... Last time he was in Spain, when he was with Malaga in Spain, he was a phenomenal player. Um, really nice to watch. So hopefully he works out at Betis as well. Um, so talk, talking of Seville, David, where's Rafa Mir waking up this morning? Oh, who knows? Who knows? Cry, crying in a hotel bed <laughs> in either Valencia or Sevilla. We don't know. Um, so yeah, this was very much the... Uh, 
the talking point of the Spanish transfer window in that Rafa Mir, ex-Valencia, uh, who's now at Sevilla, he was all set to go back to, uh, to, to Valencia. Nice homecoming for him, product of their academy. Um, all the details were sent over. Valencia apparently took a look at them, um, told everybody that Sevilla changed all the conditions uh, and, and they wouldn't be doing the deal. Sevilla have come out and said, nothing was changed. What, what, what you're on about? Um, and obviously there's this storm, ongoing storm with Peter Lim and the Valencia fans. Valencia fans and local Valencia journalists are basically saying this was an excuse for, for them not to uh, push through the deal. Um, you know, pan over to Rafa Mia, bless him, turns up at Sevilla's stadium last night thinking everything was going to go through. He was apparently just on his phone. Um, somebody had sent him the details of the contract and looking at the conditions were apparently changed. Apparently, he it looked to him like Valencia had changed everything and, and there was nothing wrong. Um, and we've now got this situation again where Valencia fans have got another stick to beat this horrific ownership under Peter Lim um, with. So it, it's a shame. And yeah, we, we, we had a bit of a Spanish Peter Odom Wingy situation last night with, with Rafa <laughs> Mia just, just, just hanging about in Sevilla's car park waiting for, a, waiting for a bloody move, but it didn't come. I mean, un, unlike with Odom Wingy, there, there is exceptional tapas uh, around the stadium at Nervion. So it, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> I hate to add this in, being a Nigerian like Odom Wingy, but there is no tapas anywhere near QPR's <laughs> stadium. Um, not on South Africa Road, anyway. You've got to go down to the bush for that. Oh, yeah, I was going to say down the bush, there's some, there's some great um, Iranian, Lebanese cuisine, uh, Iraqi restaurant there. Yeah, mate, there's, there's a lot of good food around there. Yeah, not at that time of the night, though. I do love Vinasco TC from Sweden, I must say, so forgive me for this. Kommi Jensveria from Arigit on Twitter. I'm from Sweden and I've seen many Swedish teenagers moving or being linked to big clubs. Are we stumbling upon a potential golden generation? If not Sweden, then which country in Europe is likely to have the next golden generation? Turkey, maybe, Andy. Maybe. I, I think I'm always a little bit reticent to talk about a golden generation emerging when players are this young because there's only a limited amount that we can really know about them and what they're going to develop into. They are, they're still developing. Turkey's an interesting one. A little bit like, I suppose, in a way, a little bit like Croatia, for example, if you go back a, a, a couple of years because there's such a diaspora of Turkish and Turkish qualified players um, over Europe that you'll find that they uh, Turkish qualified players have a way of getting into clubs all over the place Um, not not just coming through the 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 Turkish market so I suppose the obvious example at the moment is Kenan Yildiz at Juventus who looks amazing Um, born and brought up in, in in Germany and, um, of course, ended up scoring his first goal for the Turkish national team in autumn away against Germany in, in Berlin with so many Turkish fans in, in the stadium as well. And he's, he's really looked the part for uh, Juventus so far. But 
Uh, no, I think when you see someone who's a really bright prospect at, at that young an age, you know, can we talk about them as being representative of a generation? I mean, could we talk about, say, Jude Bellingham of being representative of a, a, a generation? I don't think we can because he's exceptional. You know, whatever system he's come out of, he's he's uncommon. I, I think that's worth underlining. And on a, on a lesser scale, at least for the moment, you look at Kenan Yildiz, and he's been promoted to the Turkish national team because they don't have a load of centre forwards. So that has, has really helped him to, to, to get a bit of a head start. Obviously, he's had this bit of um, extra profile from going over to, 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 to Juventus too. But really, getting into the, it's, it's the reverse of how it should work. Getting into the national team has made Juventus realise, oh shit, we've got talent on our hands. And he's started getting first team games since he's broken into the Turkish national team. So whether that's indicative of a wider trend, I think it's sort of a bit early to say that. We can never know if it's a golden generation, really, until they're at least in their early 20s, probably into their mid-20s. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Swedes. Um, I think if you look at how their football is currently set up, they are very much focused on going for youth. Um, their last international squad against Estonia, 26-man squad, 20 of the players who turned up had their chance to make their debut for the national team. Quite remarkable. Um, there was only one player in the squad over 23 um, as well. So they're very much focused on that. And if you look at some of the players now around Europe, they're getting snapped up by bigger clubs. We've got, um, we had Ronnie Bajaj at uh, Copenhagen, linked with a big move, likely off in the summer. Uh, William Sweberg moved to Celta Vigo. We've got Jens Kajust uh, at uh, Napoli. Um, Hugo Larsson at Frankfurt, being talked about quite a lot. Um, we even had um, Olaf Melberg's son, uh, the famous uh, Aston Villa player, of course, legend. Uh, John Melberg, he was snapped up by um, Salzburg as well. So a lot of these players are, are being identified now for the first time, I think. And Bagwald's move was, was huge for Spurs. Um, you know, this is a player everybody thought he was heading to Barcelona. He'd formed part of that core with Gavi, with Pedri, um, Yamal, and, and, and be part of this, this youthful Barcelona team. Spurs have, uh, you know, stolen the march here. And I think people are maybe not realising more big of a coup this is, actually, um, for Spurs and for Swedish football as well. Because he's, you know... Bagval's kind of seen as, you know, the, the, the lead and light. And if you look around Scandinavia, you know, you've got Haaland, we've got Hoyland as well. So, you know, Denmark, Norway have got their signature players. And it looks like potentially Bagval could be the, the one for Sweden. I think that's a really interesting point um, about when you talk about Rene Bajaji, for example, and him going over to, to, to Copenhagen. Now, as we said on OTC some months back, um, Copenhagen, in terms of their scouting, have sort of made it their mission to become this sort of Scandinavian super hub for, for young talent, really. So they, they went and took him from Malmö, for example, when he was, he was quite young. He's still pretty young now. And, you know, they've, they've been trying to sign young players from, from Turkey, from all, all, all sorts of places, actually. Um, but I think Swedish football's in, in, in this sort of place where... At the moment, you're seeing that even the richest clubs in, in, in Europe, partly to do with um, there being a bit of a pinch on their finances, but partly, but mainly to do with the fact that 
they want to coach these players into their sort of first team from from an earlier age. Um, I think you look at the fact that not a lot of these young Swedish talents, for example, are going to develop in, in, in Sweden. We, we talked about that, that diaspora. And those players coming over younger and younger, so they'll be ready for the first team in these bigger leagues when they're like 19, 20. I mean, Premier League clubs haven't really needed to do this before, have they? Financially, they haven't needed to do that. They've been able to say, well, what about if... Um, you know, we see these guys can go out somewhere, um, prove themselves there, and then we'll buy them for a fortune down the line because, you know, value is like an abstract concept to us because we have so much money. Maybe, as well as the fact that you want to get them in the system early and make them ready for your first team more early, perhaps in the coming years, there's more of a financial imperative for for Premier League clubs to, to do that as well. But we've we've got to stop talking about this because we're going to start beating up on Barcelona's transfer window again. No, I, I I don't want to do that. <laughs> Barcelona fans have suffered enough at our hands this week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Having said that, what an excellent analysis I must say is uh, somebody who knows the Al Svenskan huge leap from the Swedish Prem to the Premier League of um, all the sort of big nations in Europe. I actually thought that. Both what you both said was totally spot on. I like the way, David, that you brought in the whole of Scandinavia into that because I think maybe Arijit's question might be widened out to is Scandinavia experiencing a golden generation, if you can put it that way. And 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 just one final point on this, um, Andy. As ask OTC. We see it from a wider perspective, but if you're Arijit following the Swedish Al Svenskan and you're seeing all these players disappearing all these great players disappearing in a hurry I think you would wonder you know is this a golden generation that we might be uh, missing out on this one more from Takim on Twitter though with the little activity in the transfer window this January do you think clubs across Europe will be more financially conscious it looks like UEFA and other national leagues are now trying to strongly enforce that or is that just from the Premier League I think if we're talking from an enforce, if we're talking from an enforcement perspective, it's the Premier League at, at, at the moment um, in terms of profit and sustainability. Obviously, that has been the catchphrase of the the January transfer window. We look at the charges against um, Everton and Nottingham Forest, as, as, as David will tell you, um, they are very much the tip of the iceberg there are other other clubs sort of dicing with danger there as as, as well and so this is not a story that is is, is going to go away in, in in a short while so for premier league clubs to be encouraged to think as we were saying in the in the, in the previous answer about strategy in the medium term that's that's not such a bad thing at all i don't, I don't think um to encourage them to engage and develop a little bit more rather than just throw money at, at everything. And maybe this is the point in the medium to long term where the Premier League can really entrench its superiority over the other leagues. Because I think, you know, as, as we always say, transfer stuff doesn't exist in a bubble. So I think the medium term effect this might have, if money is not being spent in France, in Spain, in Portugal, 
to quite an extent. You know, the Premier League has been the ultimate bailout for a lot of these leagues. You know, they've been able to sell on players for absolutely huge fees to Premier League clubs who don't really think about money. If they're not able to do that in the future, perhaps that further affects the balance of power in in European football. But in terms of UEFA being more strict on this, I, I don't really think that 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 is the case at, at the moment. I mean, just really ever since COVID, particularly since COVID, um, clubs in Spain, in Germany, in other countries have, have, have just had to be careful. They, they, you know, they, they were already at a financial disadvantage to, to the Premier League, for example. But you look at the last transfer windows in, in Spain and it's, it's been quiet. And I, I think it's natural. You look at the losses suffered in COVID. You look at the issues with the TV deals in... Well, in Germany, it's fairly stable, but there's been a gentle loss um of, of of tv revenue and they think they've, they've they've done okay out of that but they've got to be careful um the turkish tv deal has taken a huge battering now obviously they always kind of protect themselves in the sense that um contracts are like performance related and appearance related and all that sort of stuff but you know there's still some fairly wild behavior in the in, in, the, in the transfer market with the big istanbul clubs and then you look at france that is up for a new domestic TV deal next year, which is still recovering from the Media Pro TV deal that didn't really work out. And Media Pro have run into further problems in, in Canada. That's a different story. Just maybe stop doing business with them. But the the, the relationships that damaged in the domestic TV market as well has had a, a, a bit of a knock on. And, you know, there's a serious concern for France about how much they clubs will be able to get next season especially when and you can talk about that maybe long term it helps PSG to be a bit more sustainable in, on the on the pitch but renegotiating a new TV deal in a, an atmosphere that doesn't have Messi that doesn't have Neymar and maybe next season doesn't have Mbappe either it's a pretty tough sell I would say and the the difference is, look, I mean, you know, and Andy started off and he said this is the buzzword at the moment about PSR and FFP. These rules, if we talk about the Premier League, PSR, they have been in since 2013. So this is not a new thing. This is not a new concept. They were introduced in 2013. What's the difference? The difference is now clubs are being sanctioned. And I'm talking about points. And that is what has struck fear in everyone. So it's not a little fine, which is kind of seen as redundant when 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 these cases go to the panels they're seen as redundant because these a lot of these clubs have got rich owners a lot of these clubs have got a lot of money behind them so a fine doesn't make any difference so it has to be points that's the way that they're looking at it so these have always been in place it's just now that something is finally being done about these clubs that are being seen to overstep in the mark now i found it very interesting gary o'neill last night and we talked about the armando Breuer deal where he eventually ended up going to fulham he was explicit about it. He said, we wanted Breuer. We didn't go for him because we're scared of getting a, a point deduction. And he was explicit about that. And more clubs are going to be explicit about it in their actions as well as words now as well. So it's a huge thing that's going to hang over the Premier League that they have to be more sensible. Um, they can't be wild and willy-nilly anymore with, with these deals. They're going to have to be really sensible um, moving forward because it is only going to get harsher and more clubs are going to get points deducted, more clubs are going to be hitting that borderline that um, the PSR rules um, have for them. 
Excellent. Thank you for listening to Ask OTC. Now, if you'd like to ask a question, you can contact us at any time at Radio Dotton, at Andy Brassel, at David Jacker, or at OTC Pod. And you can email us OTC at footballramble.com. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.